Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. I'm Chris with Marco and Tad. We've got the trio back together finally for two weeks left in the Serie A season, guys. How are you? Good, man. It's But we're, I guess we're all on here, but first time we're not in the same location. Um, Marco and I are spread out across the district, and you're spread out getting down to North Carolina. And the one thing i got to say is, man, after the past three weeks, my house smells a lot better that you guys aren't over here. I have more food. I'm sure uh, Leslie uh, doesn't miss us that much either. <laughs> I'll tell you guys, I'm in the command center right now. I got like a one of those little side table things that like slides up into my lap and I got the, the uh, computer chair. I'm in a nice, I'm in my bedroom. I see the monument from here. Should have been doing this a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. It is Marco's certain. running the Matrix. Yeah, on from his cell phone because his laptop's not working for the recording. <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, we got a packed uh, uh, podcast today, guys. We want to start off first with Syria Chi Regina, the team we got to see a couple weeks ago in uh, Emilia Romagna. They are in the Sweet 16. Couldn't be happier about that. Uh, they advanced today. They beat Bassano one nothing. Guys, what do you think? Uh, Sweet 16 still, they're only three games away from Serie B. What do you think? Well, after we went to watch them play Bassano, who they just beat to get into the Sweet 16 in a 0-0 draw, I got to say that Mike Piazza and uh, Reggiano are probably happy that we weren't at the game, considering we didn't see a goal of Calcio scored when we were in Italy. That uh, I think that uh, not only is the stink of all three of us together not at my apartment, it wasn't in uh, Mape Stadium or wherever they played this this past week. I'd like to think that we're uh, we had a part to play in this whole thing. So after our interview, maybe Mike reflected a little bit on how cool Corps of America was and just brought that positivity to the team. And here they are, Sweet 16, you know. So. Yeah, look, look, guys, we, we got to go up to Serie B. We got to back this up. Curve America was here a couple weeks ago. We can't let them down. Yeah, That's don't right. let us down. <laughs> yep, so uh, three games away. Hey, a victory is a victory. They should enjoy it. Uh, big win today. So uh, there's the Serie C portion of uh, this podcast. We'll go up to the international level next with Mancini. Italy is not yeah. in this World Cup, and yet... They are announcing a new coach. Guys, what do you think about this? A pre-World Cup announcement for the Azzurri. They have their new coach. you got to love the fact that, you know, in all his interviews, Mancini's talking about, hey, you know, this is a team that should be at the top of Europe, top of the world, and basically just, like, completely forgetting about the World Cup, as he probably should be, and he's already just talking about Euros like it's around the corner. Uh, I love that. Um, it sounds like it's almost like political spin, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like we're in a bad situation. Well, yeah, well, we're going to be top of the world in Europe, uh, you know. And so, again, that's that's in a while. What is it? Three, four years, but um, or maybe two years, two years. But I'm excited about him being the new uh, the new manager. He's already talking about bringing back Balotelli. So let's do it. 
I don't think it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Uh, I, you know, the U.S. is clearly going to wait until after the World Cup to announce their new head coach. Uh, at least I think that's the plan. Um, you got to see where the chips fall, man. The, the, the international cycle is a four-year cycle. We're going to miss it this year. Italy's going to miss it this year. I think you reevaluate after the World Cup. I think you wait. I don't know. I mean, Italy has nothing to do with the World Cup this year. So whether or not it's it's taking place this summer or or not, if they're not playing, they can't be thinking that way. I think, you know, it's it's just like every Reba McIntyre country song you ever heard of. When you see your man, you got to go out and get your man. And so, I mean, you know, you hear all the praise from all the other would-be suitors saying that, hey, this is pretty good. Um, or, you know, ex-coaches like Fabio Capello. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's so much better than the previous guy they had who was just not even anywhere near qualified or suited for the job. I like that there's a big name that's, you know, three Scudetti, has won the Premier League. Um, and a tough co- cookie in, in Mancini. I'm, I'm excited to see if he does uh, uh, the 4-3-3 or the uh, 4-2-3-1 or, you know, what formation he comes up with. And, you know, this is guys going to be taking on a lot of youngsters. So I'm, I'm pumped. Do it now. Forget about it. Forget about it. Yep, it's uh, in the new. It's done, and, and uh, we'll move on from there. Uh, so we're looking away. Five years from now, we will see Mancini, hopefully, uh, in the World Cup uh, in Qatar leading the Azzurri. That's, uh, that, that's got to be a fine right there. Mancini? Mancini, mm. Mancini? Mancini, uh, my friend. You got you to gotta get that, that CI. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fair. Uh, I'm back in the States, so everything is uh, it pronounced differently. <laughs> Tad, you threw in the next bit of news here. Uh, we, we have some aspiring rappers in the sports world. Yeah, I mean... It came out this past week, I saw on Twitter, that, that uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Cole, Cole Beasley has dropped a rap album um, that became popular because uh, Des Bryant and a lot of his, you know, his teammates, past and present, retweeted it. I just thought to myself, like, God, I'm really gra- glad that Cole Beasley has entered the lexicon of hip-hop artists so we can hear his talents and what... He has to weigh in, and and you know, in the in the modern area with Kanye West and Childish Gambino. Thank God, Dallas Cowboys slot receiver Cole Beasley can can be here to grace us with his talents. So I just thought to myself, you know, well, Cole Beasley dropping album, dropping a hip hop album in the NFL. We got Deuce, uh, uh, Clint Dempsey has a couple of, of albums out there. And I was thinking, it's like, what Serie A player? Would you most like who? Who would you run out? You know, like it's like it's two thousand and one to Sam Goody at the mall to cop that uh, that 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 rap album. Uh, which Serie A players you guys think? I feel like Insigne would just drop some fire, yeah, randomly from the streets of Naples. He kind of already looks like a little bit of of a rapper, and he's got an entourage in Mertens and and Callejon. So maybe all three of them can form like a, a run DMC, uh, a, a ant DMC, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's the squad I'm looking at right now that could be potentially putting out the next uh, platinum. Well, I think so, we've already done that, Tad. Uh, I, I think my greatest hits album is uh, going to be a lot of Osvaldo, the former Romanista, who I think went up to Kievo for a little bit and then uh, le- left soccer for a music career. That was enough for me. 
So he's he's going to be a crossover artist in the music genre as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I like where you guys are head at with the, with Osvaldo and Insigne. Uh, you know, good tattoo games on both those guys. I got to be I got to be honest, Chris. I thought you were going to go Papu Gomez on this one, he's considering he's already gone platinum. Yeah, that, um, he doesn't need the rap game. He's already completed his musical journey. <laughs> he's 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 the Beyonce of uh, of the Syria. Um, you know, I, I think uh, uh, I like where Marcos heads at with Insigne. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, Insigne or Mertens, you know, or Callejon could be like the you know like the DJ that that would make such a you know straight out of Napoli um, would would be would, would be a great one. Then I was you know kind of perusing through the league and uh, you know thinking about you know great tattoo games and who's tough and who's not. But then. You know, just one thing, one name just rose to the surface for me that just probably the person who's most successful at everything he does, um, you know, be it making sweet love, um, not Mario Bellatelli, or, uh, uh, or, you know, I don't know, being able to land planes. And so I, who I think would be the breakout hip-hop star of the Syria, two words, best hip-hop name, Kevin Lasagna. <laughs> Yeah, I don't straight think... out of San Benedetto Poe, Kevin Lasagna. He's he's got a drop fire. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even need a, a, a different name with that. Just go with the uh, the original there. <laughs> and he and he and he's like super niche. Like all his songs are about different kinds of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect for Italy. All right. Well, speaking of Italy, guys, uh, we got to wrap up this uh, first section with. Juventus. They wrapped it up on Syria. They get their dopio. They won Coppa Italia this past week, and then also wrapped up the Scudetto race. Um, their seventh straight uh, uh, Scudetto and another dopio. Uh, yeah, Phil Connors gave him the trophy because it's Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just another one for them, and they've got another epic week coming up here. Uh, so we're gonna have to pay a lot of attention to them again. They got Buffon, the greatest goalkeeper ever, is potentially retiring in a few days uh, here from the day of recording, and already looking for that second half special with Netflix coming out of uh, the highlights of of uh, the second season with Juventus. What do you guys think will be on there for Netflix? I don't know. Maybe it'll be Buffon um, announced on Thursday's dropping a rap album, and the video will be on the Netflix special. I'm kind of on this. Uncle Gigi. <laughs> Sustain the Rage is the name of his album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Into the rap game he goes. I'll be interested to see if they talk about whether this is like, you know, will they approach this uh, internally as this season was a failure because we didn't get our Champions League spot or. You know, we are going to celebrate with with the the, the Dopietta, uh, and and that's something that we should celebrate in the documentary and behind closed doors. It's it's still an accomplishment. Maybe there'll be a raw footage of uh, Agnelli selling tickets to mob bosses. That, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a lot going on with Juventus. Uh, we're going to talk about them in week 37. Here, uh, they got uh, Roma this week, so we'll talk about that. And uh, the rest of the games in week 37. So off we go, guys, into the rundown. Juve officially claimed their seventh straight Scudetto versus Roma after a 0-0 snooze fest at the Stadio Olimpico. Napoli fail at Mission Scudetto, and now the tough questions begin. While Inter and OTFR put in trash performances that make their head-to-head in the last week of the season for all the rigatoni. 
Atalanta and Milan get into a street fight after Milan get waxed out of the Coppa Italia against Juventus, leaving the last Europa spot up for grabs. And then, my favorite guys, Ken Crotone come through on their second straight season for hashtag race for 17th with Cagliari, Spal, Udinese, and Chievo all within two points of the danger zone. Guys, there's a lot of races going on, even if the Scudetto is locked up. Let's get into it in week 37. We want to remind everybody we have social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Curve America, all one word. You can find this podcast wherever podcasts are are heard on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, ASRoma360.com, CurveAmerica.com. Tad, once they find us, what should they do? Well, Curve Americans, we don't ask for much, but we are going to ask you if you enjoy this podcast, please go to wherever you can, subscribe, rate, and comment. You have no idea how much it helps. All right. Guys, any beers being imbibed tonight? Uh, anybody drinking? I'm, I'm still on my diet, man. I'm still on my diet. That, that, that Italy pasta and wine and pizza really blew me up like a balloon. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm abstaining. In fact, I'm still sweaty from the gym. Marco, how about in Command Central? Man, I got an Oberon ale over here, and it's treating me real well. Ah, oh, that sounds delicious. All right. I'm so, kind of going to join you with uh, a San Pellegrino Aqua Frizzante here. So uh, whatever any Curve Americans are drinking out there, we hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy week 37 of the Serie A. All right, our first game up is the game of the week, Juve-Roma. This one finished 0-0. Juve grabs the hashtag MythMY7H in a row in possibly one of the least inspiring games this year. Take it away, Marco. Yeah, 0-0 and a red card for Nangolan. Other than that, snooze fest here. Juve, first takeaway, seven in a row, four doubles in a row. And really, you know, I know it was a close one this year, but was there any doubt once they caught up to Napoli and then surpassed them? I mean, this is a team with depth, talent. They got financial backings. They got the new stadium. Uh, They're in a modernized uh, northern city in Italy. Honestly, I think all this stuff plays into uh, their sustained dominance over the last seven years. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it kind of goes, and one thing that you forgot to mention in that list is, is championship mentality. I know it's kind of lame gas baggery to, you know, throw in an intangible like that. But, you know, if you watch that uh, uh, that Netflix special and, you know, kind of the uh, uh, the what's echoed with inside the team is, you know, and, and why new players are attracted to go there, it's the winning mentality. And so when you have that team with the depth, with the talent, with the financials, with the stadium – you know, creeping on a come up behind you, you know, it's 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 like going to the ATM at three in the morning if you're Napoli. You're looking over your shoulder, you're looking over your shoulder, and before you know it, the boogeyman's standing right behind you. <laughs> I uh, I don't want to forget, guys. There were three or four weeks ago, there was doubt. There was all of the, the curva uh, for Juventus getting behind them, saying that we need to meet with the players. They ne- Everyone needed to be reassured that this was going to go the right way. So there was some doubt. 
But ultimately, uh, the financials, the amount of players on the team, Juve is just built for a championship run. Absolutely. And I think uh, this begs the question. you got Buffon retiring now. It sounds like Marquisio might be moving on. Uh, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of offers for Dybala, maybe some for Higuain. But is there an end in sight for this absolute dominance, or is this team going to – is this the end of an era with Buffon heading out of there, guys? Well, Buffon, you know, is, is, the, is the heart and soul of this team. And if you look at, like, the spine of this team that's, that's gone through these seven Scudetti, you know, Licksteiner, Balzai, uh, uh, the, the Purple Pyman, Chiellini, Old City Miles, Marchisio – these are the guys that are going out, and it's being left up to you know guys like Pjanic, um, you know uh, Mandzukic, who's being linked to even go away. But you know that's stupid transfer rumors. Uh, you know Dybali, if he, he decides to stay. So they, you know, and then young defenders like Rugani and whatnot. So there, there's some chinks in the armor, uh, and I think that uh, uh, it's hard to transfer uh, uh, the winning mentality from one generation to the next. But to me, it all boils down to is bottom half of the Syria table has to step up. They have to stop looking at Juventus as the hashtag MY7H myth. You know, this this uh, uh, this old lady throwing spears and breathing fire out of her mouth every time um, they 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 uh, uh, they play. That Juventus Stadium is an impossible place to win, as we see by their home streak um, that was snapped this year. But you know, they, you have to be able to take points away if you're at the bottom of the Juventus. Juventus, they can't, you can't give them 85. You can't let them score 85-plus points a season and, and expect anybody at the top of the table besides them. Yeah. Well, look, with some of these players going out, we already know that they're, they're reinforcing the back with Caldara. Uh, I do think Chiellini is going to be there next season. Uh, I'm not sure if Barzagli is. Um, but then they got, they're reinforcing the midfield with Emre Shan. Um, and now there's a couple big signings, uh, you know, still, still in the works. I saw something about Verratti today and I'm not saying it because I want to talk about transfer rumors, Chris, uh, but I'm really talking about it because I think if you look at the, one of the better teams they've had over the years, you know, I'm thinking about that team with Pogba, Pirlo, Vidal, when they went to the Champions League final against Barca, they almost had it. Uh, but their their midfield has been a little bit shaky. And so if they can sure that up, they have uh, the, the defensive reinforcements. I think Chesney's going to fit in just fine. Uh, again, so how do, you, how do you replace somebody with the personality of Buffon? That might be the biggest question, Mark. Not whether they can get the talent, but like Tad said, whether they can keep the mentality. Yeah, that's fair. The mentality is a big question, but the financials, the team uh, depth, the, those are all going to remain constant under the current Serie A format. Juve is the deepest team in the league, bar none. And you can always count on them to get a couple big signings this summer. They're, they're not going to sit on their laurels. Very much uh, uh, agree in agreement with that. You can about, count on them to get big signings like you can count on them to win an eighth Scudetto. <laughs> how about on the other side of the ball, guys? Uh, Roma in this game. Didn't end up needing the game, but uh, um, uh, get a point against Juve. Kind of ambivalent about that, huh? Yeah, well, they left the pod a little perplexed, I'd say. And uh, Corva DC feeling the same way at the end of the game. 
you know, it's it's a uh, it's late in the day on a Sunday. You're feeling a little buzzed, and you're feeling like, damn, I got the Sunday scaries kicking in. And it all plays into the fact that Roma had a few chances in the beginning. They're at home. They know that they're already in Champions League. Just go for it. You know, like, okay, I think EDF's being pragmatic, and he doesn't want to end up in fourth place uh, and take away from his, uh, you know, tactically maneuvered season. But at the same time, you know, you want to give the fans what they what they paid for. And they did, definitely didn't pay for a snooze fest with Roma not even having a chance in the second half of, of, that I can remember. You know, just just go after it. And I think that that's kind of been a complaint from from Roma fans uh, for a while. Uh, yeah, they did amazing stuff in the Champions League this year. But sometimes you just want them to just 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 go for it. Yeah, well, I can tell you one thing Roma fans didn't pay for is watching Juventus celebrate their seventh straight Scudetto. Scudetto, Scudetto, uh, celebrate their seventh straight Scudetto, you know, on the, the pitch of Stadio Olimpico. Um, and you know when Juventus plays uh, uh, an away game at Roma, there's, you know, 10 million people in Roma and probably a million Juventus fans. So there, the Distinti Nord um, is going to be full of, uh, of, of white and black. And so, yeah, I mean, they're not paying to see that. Nobody's going to pay to have a swift kick in the nuts. And to me, the only bright spots in this this one was was Jengis Under. Um, you know, he absolutely owned Alexandro in this one so much so it probably knocked Alexandro off the Brazil squad going into the, to the to the World Cup. Um, Under wreaked havoc, and I think that's a huge bright spot for Roma if, if you can see um, Under already having the having the palais to take on some of the best left backs in the world you know, on, on big stages and own them. Absolutely. All right. So we finish off the snooze fest with Juve and Roma there, 0-0. Juve, congrats to them, their seventh title in a row, and the Doppietta winning the Coppa Italia against Milan midweek. Up next, guys, the next game is Napoli-Sampdoria. This one finished 2-0, too little to, too little, too late for an officially second-place Napoli. Go ahead, Tad. This uh, this one kind of has a tinge of irony to it uh, because the guy who scores the incredible goal um, to make Napoli look like they're unbeatable is Alexander Milik, um, who has been hurt the vast majority of the last two seasons, um, and he just posterizes, has an absolute highlight goal, um, basically to cap a season of what ifs. And so you you know Napoli, it seems like the entire world put you know in Napoli included. Put all you know. It went all in on Napoli winning the Scudetto, uh, even so much that so they were willing to sacrifice Europe so easily. You know, where, where did Napoli go wrong, guys? Fiorentina. Uh, that was a tough one uh, for them, and uh, that was the end of it. Uh, but I just think we've been saying it all year. Napoli, since day one, I've said about them is that they've played the most beautiful soccer in Italy throughout the year. I mean, just exciting, fast-paced. Uh, uh, passes back and forth uh, with, with great finishes. I've really enjoyed covering Napoli uh, from, from a distance. But uh, depth is an issue. Juve has it. Napoli doesn't. That's why Napoli is in second place. Yeah, that's all, something about Sadri too. Like I definitely appreciate his coaching style, how he's got the team playing. But I don't know. He just seemed too too stubborn. 
with his player rotations, just like he really put his foot down on, on, on playing certain players and positions. And uh, anytime you see a coach just kind of like take over like that, I just, I'm, it's always gets me a little bit uncomfortable. I think that the the team, they had the team, they actually had the decent amount of depth in the midfield um, and, you know, kind of, laying on the bench but they just wouldn't get any time and and then again when it comes into january transfer window i think saudi had a hand to play in not bringing in anybody um because he just like likes his team he likes the players he likes and likes putting them where he wants uh and then he'll do that for the rest of the season apparently um again i'm not not necessarily saying he's a bad coach but i just had this feeling that like they were going to burn out because, you know, it's inevitable. I mean, Juventus, if they, they have the players they have, but if they didn't rotate, I think they would burn out too. Uh, and so, again, it's uh, unf- unfortunately they, they crumbled at the end, even after getting a huge Juve result. Um, but I said it before, I never thought that Juve was going to drop it at that point. Um, maybe we played it up a little bit in everybody's mind because we just got a little too excited. Look, sorry in this whole thing, he he's an incredible coach. And I've said in the past that, like, look, I think this lack of rotation for Napoli, you know, is a bit, bit uh, uh, overplayed um, because he's not dealing with a ton of injuries. You know, the players aren't really complaining. It seems like they're all driving towards this common goal. And you look at what Sarri's done this team, like he's been a kingmaker uh, for several of these players. You know, uh, Insigne's game has gone to another level. Um, you know, Drace Mertens, he's, he's made one of the you know, top strikers in Europe. You look at guys like Jorginho and Alan and Koulibaly. You know, they've, they've, they've all become world beaters under Sarri, but yet at the end of the day they fall short. And so I guess I kind of got to walk back what I was saying before. If, if that's the case and right at the finish line, you know, they're doing things like losing 3-0 to Fiorentina and not being able to capitalize on beating Juventus and Juventus getting beat by Crotone, the only thing that – it leads me to think is, is they just burnt out they, that they were they're physically exhausted and whether it's a lack of depth or whether a lack it's uh, you know sorry not playing it i think that on the field at the end they just they just couldn't get done um and so we have sorry you know i mean he, he's he's been praised all season long so much so that he's you know linked with jobs all over europe primarily chelsea and what do you guys you know i mean we've heard like ancelotti and conte and and all even John Perro have been linked to possibly having this job. ADL has kind of complained about Sari and pointing the finger as of, late, as of lately. Like, what you know, what do you think the future of this of this Napoli coaching situation is? It'd be really interesting if they brought in a big name coach. I'm just not really sure if a, if a coach like Ancelotti or Conte goes to a Napoli team. You know what I mean? Um, it seems like more for for a, a coach who's in, in a developmental phase, uh, you know, like you said, maybe Giampiero. We talk about, you know, in the States all the time, like, you know, at the Toronto Raptors is getting booted out in four games. Uh, you know, do they blow up the team? So Napoli, I mean, you know, now sorry is a question mark. Players are question mark. If you're, if you're and you've taken your big shot, you swung and you missed. If you're Napoli, do you blow it up? To blow it up or not blow it up? I think you blow it up, man. I, again, I, I think most of the players uh, here, they stuck around. They were interested in the project. They wanted to win this thing. They wanted to 
wrestle it out of the the hands of this mythological beast that is Juve. They didn't get it done, and so now it's onto greener pastures where they have potentials of winning and making maybe even more money. I'm talking about Mertens. I'm talking about uh, potentially Insignia. Lots of people talking about Insignia, by the way, um, even though he's Napoli boy. So, uh, look, you know, I, I, I want to be optimistic, but I f- unfortunately that's my gut feeling is that this team's going to disperse a little bit next season. Load up. I think they will too, but uh, if the second-place team, who's guaranteed a Champions League spot um, and played the most beautiful soccer, in my opinion, last season, uh, after one season of not hitting your uh, goal, you have to bust up the whole thing. After a pretty good run, uh, I think that says more about the league than it does about the team. And so your second-place team completely going in different directions uh that doesn't speak well to syria uh i hope they all stay i hope they continue to play the best looking soccer in syria i think napoli if you look at this team you know whether or not sorry stays if you look at this team who are they really in you know they're going to play in champions league next year but who are they really in danger of losing i don't think insigne is going anywhere he's napoleon through and through i'd be shocked if he left they're not going to lose Hamsick. The possibilities are Drace Mertens, who's 31. Um, but like we said, we have Alec, you know, uh, you have Milik coming in. He's 24 years old. He looks like a world beater. You're most likely going to lose Jorginho. Looks like it, the Premier League's come calling. But you know, if you just get a coach that's able to trust uh, uh, the players, you know, a, a, a midfielder behind him or be able to track the midfielder, I don't think Alon's going anywhere. I don't think Calion's going anywhere. I don't think Gulam is going to come back after injury and be, you know, probably great. Um, we saw Mario Rui uh, 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 play really well. I don't think Asai is going anywhere. So I think you're going to see they got Peter Zelinski. I don't think he's going anywhere. So I think you got the makings of a really good team here. They're going to lose a, a top two players, most likely Jorginho. Most likely, if anybody else goes where, it's going to be it's going to be uh, Mertens. I just think they still got a, a great team and they can do this summer what they didn't do last summer and that's get some decent players some extra decent players in here they still got dior they got they got a six squad i think they're going to be okay well, i hope they stay together fortunopoly uh um uh, they're in second place heading into the champions league uh, for next season there's a lot of reasons for people to stay we'll see how the chips fall in the transfer market this summer on to the third game, guys. We've got OTFR and Crotone. This one finished in a 2-2 draw. Crotone and OTFR make their respective races in the table more interesting with this result. I'm starting off with Crotone because Crouton Nation. We're going first. It's the hashtag race for 17th, and here we are heading into week 38. We're still not sure if Crotone is going to stay up. Reminding you guys, just like uh, uh, last year, uh, the run was just amazing. Uh, it ended. I, I remember distinctly last year how, uh, following three games at once, they needed two other results to happen. Actually, uh, OTFR was involved in that one as well, uh, and it, it worked out for them. They they got their result, and the two other games uh, finished the way that they needed to. All that uh, getting brought up again this year because currently they are sitting in 18th spot. They are currently going to get relegated. But depending on how the final week goes, uh, I, they could end up in 14th place. So a four-spot a four, uh, jump in this one. Very excited. I got to be honest, guys. There's a few good games this weekend. 
Crotone uh, taking on Napoli is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um, they got to win. They got to win to control their destiny. And it, it, the, the only shot that they have, I mean, I know that they beat uh, 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 Juventus when Juventus was at full strength. But the only shot they have is if Napoli just goes, hey, sorry does the one thing he hasn't done all year is he plays his backups. Right, exactly. Um, so it's uh, going to be interesting for uh, Crotone there this weekend. On OTFR side for this game, they needed this one. Uh, they needed a result. Uh, they saw with uh, Inter, which we'll talk about, uh, Inter doing them a huge favor in losing. Uh, so this game, they really could have locked up Champions League uh, if they went ahead with with uh, Crotone on this one, and they didn't. Uh, the players afterwards admitting uh, that they felt like they let it th- slip through their hands, and so they head into week 38 with a lot on the line here. I mean, this really is a one-game playoff, your whole season on the line, uh, as well, uh, the, the um, champions or Europa spot after you, you've been playing for 37 weeks, where you end up, uh, they're going to play Inter. And uh, the big question, I think, for OTFR is who's going to play? There's a lot of rumors going around. I haven't seen it confirmed officially, but Immobile looks like he's going to be back from injury to play in this one. And then the interesting one for uh, uh, whether he plays or not is DeVry. There's apparently going to be a conflict of interest here. He's all but gone to Inter, and if he's on OTFR's team this uh, season, it would be a weird twist of fate if he ends up being the deciding factor you know, with a goal, with a red card, whatever it may be, in that uh, uh, holding off Inter from getting that last Champions League spot. So you, we talked about this yesterday, guys. You think DeVry, he's not even going to play this one. Absolutely not. Don't even give him a jersey. I mean, you do not put yourself in that position where, you know, where he is going to, he's a competitor and tries as hard as he can against his new team and knocks him out. What's that locker room going to be like? You know, uh, uh, he's, you know, if he comes in and, and plays like trash, what are the accusations going to be? You find a place, if they're playing this game at Stadio Olimpico, his spot on the bench is so far down, he's watching the ships come in at Ostia. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna have to tend, I'm gonna have to agree with Tad on this one just because there's really uh, other than him being a, a good defender in general. I mean, there's too many things that can happen from from let's just say that he win they win and you know now he's going to an Inter team that's not in Champions League and he's leaving an OTFR team that's in Champions League. I mean, for on a in a personal stance, like. Does he want to win this? Like, why would he be motivated to win this? Okay, I guess he's a professional, but, you know, we're talking about huge stakes here. Um, you know, all this being said, it seems so obvious, but watch. Dude, they're going to end up playing DeVry. He's going to end up playing well, and it's all going to end up, uh, you know. They're and they're going to be burning his jersey in Milan before he even right, gets there. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Great build-up I mean, um, for next year. <laughs> the, big, the biggest thing about – OTFR going in this game is if Immobile's back. And if Immobile's back, it's got to be on short rest from that injury. And how effective is he going to be? I mean, are they going to bring him off the bench in case they need him? Are they going to start him because he scored a gazillion goals this year? I mean, the role that he plays, because you see them without him, it took their best player, Milinkovic Savage, to bail them out at the end of this game to even save a draw. So I think that. For OTFR fans out there, all, all 12 of you um, and six of you that are wavering on becoming Roma fans, um, 
or getting kicked out of uh, Monte Mario by other Roma fans. Um, that little inside joke from our trip. Um, you know, the it, it's 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 all on Ify Mobile. It plays in this game and how effective he's going to be. Okay. Well, with that, guys, uh, we look to the table. OTFR currently 72 points, and Inter right behind them with 69 as they hit into the last week uh, playing each other. Before we get there, Marco, you've got the Inter game. They did not do themselves any favors in Week 37 with a 1-2 to two loss to Sassuolo. Berardi and Sassuolo set up Serie A fans for a wild match day in Week 38. Go ahead. Yeah, and look, I know that OTFR has been inconsistent this year with results, but man, Inter, I mean, they get lucky that they're in this position uh, in a one-game playoff for their season, essentially, Champions League. I mean, this is some Serie A-level stress, and how many chances is this team going to have? I mean, seriously, they went on a, like, uh, how many game winless streak in the middle of the season, like a nine game whatever like maybe it was a little bit less than that but Icardi where have you been you know they they lose to a a, a Sassuolo side that gets a goal from Berardi and look Berardi only 23 years old uh maybe this helps him get back into the spotlight but he hasn't been nowhere to be found this entire season and again I cannot believe that we're still talking about Inter with a chance here uh with all the missed opportunities uh, again, remember at the beginning, at about the halfway point of this season, they were in the running, and then they just disappeared, uh, and they were in no competitions uh, to you know to to get their players tired, whatever it was. It's unbelievable that they're still in this position, but they are, and uh, it's going to be a hell of a last game of the season uh, between these two sides. Well, the reason why they're in this position is because they went on a 20-game unbeaten run and were at the top of the table, but they followed that up with, you pointed out, Marco, an eight-game winless run. And so they've kind of hung around. And it, to me, with, with how bad they've been in the second half, I agree with you. It's like, how the heck are they even here? So they get, they get what they have. They, uh, uh, they get to go to the Stadio Olimpico. Three points um, is what they need – to get to get their objective for to keep their finicky manager Spalletti uh, uh, at the helm, and you look at this one and you just go, Perisic and Icardi have to take this game over. Kandreva, you don't know what he's going to do playing against the old team where he's a captain. You got to have your two stars who are going to score goals against a, uh, a an OTFR team that doesn't know what they have up top with uh, uh, with with uh, with uh, Immobile. And it's probably just going to try and park this bus and get that get that draw, or maybe get a goal on the counter. You got to rely on your superstars on this one, and this is this is make or break for legacy of Icardi at Inter right now. Absolutely, and I think you you make a great point there because look, he just got the provisional call up for the Argentina squad. I think we all know he's not going to actually go, um, but then it's just really interesting to see what happens, especially if he doesn't if they don't make Champions League. I mean, it's almost a certain that he's out. He's out of there. So, like you said, his legacy is kind of on the line here, too. He has the potential, both him and Immobile, to, to win Golden Boot here. So there's a couple things at stake. And it's pretty interesting to see that, you know, uh, OTFR is ahead by, by a, a goal in that category kind of, too. So 
uh, lots of things at stake. And uh, just really excited that we get to to enjoy the last game of the season with still a lot to play for here. If Carney scores a hat trick in this one, I'm buying his his rap album that he puts out in the off season. Yeah. Co co produced and co written by Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so a huge game with Inter and OTFR. Definitely looking forward to that one this weekend to wrap up their seasons. Uh, we'll talk about Sassuolo next week when they play Roma. Uh, as a, a recap on their season, but we'll finish off the top five of this week with Milan and Atalanta. This one finished 1-1. We're going to have to wait until next week to see who locks up the final Europa League spot because these two teams are playing. Also, don't forget, guys, Fiorentina's right there. Tad, take it away. Yeah, I mean, this game, it kind of had everything you want as an outsider. Uh, if you're not a, a Milanista or, uh, or a, a boy of Bergamo, um, you just had two teams a lot play for clash hard in a game that was had the pouring rain. Um, the only Brian in the Serie A, uh, uh, you know, basically was was throwing everything he could at this goal and still doesn't doesn't get one. But you have two red cards, um, one to Loy after Frank Kessie's goal, which he refused to celebrate against his old team. Apparently, Toloy uh, said or did something uh, uh, in reaction to this goal that got him sent off. And then you see Montalivio do basically the old uh, uh, computer JPEG of a karate kick uh, straight through an Atalanta player, and he sees red. And the game comes all the way down to the end. You have Andrea Maciello uh, scores an equalizer, 90 plus two, and we kick the can down the road um, for uh, this game for the last Europa League spot to be um, decided at the last in the last week of the season. So we have Milan versus Fiorentina. Fiorentina, they're out of the uh, of the Europa League contention, but still a super dangerous team with you know a lot of pride to play for. And then Atalanta plays Cagliari, and Cagliari with a surprising win over Fiorentina this this week, um, you know trying to stay out of relegation. So guys, who do you th- who's who's got the chance? Who's 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 in the inside pole position? Oh man, it's Atalanta's looking good right now. Fiorentina. Um... You know, unfortunately, since their passing of of their of their captain Astori, they've been on a tear. And yeah, a couple of hiccups here and there, um, but I, I'm I'm kind of liking Fiorentina against Milana towards the end, at least for a tie. And uh, if Atalanta's playing Cagliari, man, Cagliari's get better watch out. They could still be getting relegated here. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and say Atalanta gets that Europa League spot and does the double. Cinderella story on us. Yeah, I would love to have Atalanta back, uh, really, because as much as I would l- want Milan in there as a storied club, too much uncertainty with the finances. Atalanta, they're a good uh, uh, team to follow. They're a fun team to watch. I want them in Europa. Atalanta definitely has the lighter lift playing against Cagliari. And Cagliari, you know, they could, yeah, they, yes, they can pull out a 1 0 victory against Fiorentina, but they could also you know, completely turn up and be trash. Whereas I think Fiorentina, particularly this season, wants to end with a W. Um, and I think that uh, I give them more ability to draw or beat Milan than I give Cagliari the ability to draw or beat Atalanta. And I think, you know, as we go into this, into the end of the season, Chris, you said it, and we'll talk more about it next week, it looks like there's going to be a fire sale for Milan um, going in uh, uh, to next season. And the big question mark around there right now, guys, is is Donnarumma. 
And Donnarumma, a hot commodity ticket. Um, you know, he's an Italian international. Um, but Calcio Mercado stated that he's cost Milan 11 points this season, had a terrible um, uh, uh, Coppa Italia. And that 11 points, if you add those back onto Milan for the table, that make, means that they're on par with OTFR in fourth, fourth place. Um, you know, after the Coppa Italia, Donnarumma tried to give his shirt to the uh, Ultras, who threw it back at him. Mirabelli says they've already signed, you know, they're, they're basically all but done signing Pepe Reina uh, coming in the offseason, guys. What, Donnarumma, the, the, the golden boy of Milan, is his time done? No, you don't bring in Pepe Reina to, uh, to, to uh, substitute Donnarumma. You bring in Pepe Reina as a, uh, as a veteran backup keeper, in my opinion. Uh, but guys, before, before we forget, though, I will say that the the X factors for these last games are Fiorentina not having anything to play for and playing in Milan and Cagliari playing for that relegation at home. So I actually I have to change my uh, my predictions here. I'm going to go ahead and say Milan gets in that Europa League spot and at least gets a little cushion on this whole financial trouble with some uh, Europa League monies. Drop in a bucket. <laughs> no joke. Yep, so we'll see. That is an exciting game for sure as a mid-table uh, race to see who gets that final Europa spot. A lot of excitement uh, in the middle of the table for Serie A. Guys, that wraps up the first five games of Week 37. We'll take a quick break and finish off the rest of the week. Up first after the break, we got Fiorentina and Cagliari. This one finished 1-0. Cagliari becomes a Europa momentum killer for Fiorentina with a surprising 1-0 win. We'll start with Laviola. They beat Napoli. They beat Genoa. They're three points off the final Europa spot with Atalanta and Milan playing each other in Week 37. And they crap out against Cagliari at home. Made me think, guys. Stadio Franchi. Tough place to play when you need momentum and points. First Napoli, they hit uh, hit the wall, and now Laviola, the home team. Uh, the bright spot, I'd say, for Fiorentina and, and really just humanity, Davide Astori, he spent most of his career with both of these clubs, and so uh, happy to report that his family was actually in the stands for this one. Um, and uh, his wife, uh, th- during the week, pulled out a full-page ad thanking the fans for the support, so... Uh, even the tough result for uh, Viola Nation out there, but uh, really cool to see uh, Davide Astori still being remembered for the games. Um, you know, just a beautiful moment between two clubs he spent his most of his career with. That was really, unfortunately, the only bright spot for Fiorentina because they needed this game badly to keep with their Fiorent- uh, with their Europa sp- uh, spot in uh, in play, and they didn't get it. So uh, it does look like they're they're just not going to make it. Uh, to that spot this year on the other side of the ball Cagliari they rise out of the danger zone with this win they're currently one point above uh, relegation because they got these three points in Florence the Cagliari the Cagliari curva made the trip to Florence and Mr. Lopez felt like it made a difference sometimes showing up does make a difference guys had to give a little subtle nod there to Meghan Markle's dad 
for the uh, royal wedding over there in England. You got to show up, guys. You got you got to walk uh, the princess down the aisle. You got to do it. Calgary showing up to this game with their curva. Well done. Yeah, well, you know, again, the the, the major thing here was a tribute to uh, David Astoria. Beautiful, um, but it's too bad. You know, Fiorentina, uh, they had a hell of a run, and our our favorite Fiorentina fan, uh, Marcello, who comes to all the Roma Club games, was telling me after they beat Roma, he's like, hey, it's a Fiorentina di Scudetto. Like, uh, you know, they could win the Scudetto if they've been playing like this all year. Well, 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 let's uh, let's not forget Fiorentina, there's still uh, probably a, uh, a second-level team in, uh, or I'd say even third-level team in, in, in Serie A. So not so fast, you know, even though you had a good run. Um, I think this is a fair uh, position in the table for them to end up right outside of Europa. And it might end up being uh, better for them next season because they, they're probably not going to have the type of depth to be in multiple competitions and still do as well as they'd like in uh, Serie A. Calgary, man, <laughs> they, they gotta, they, 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 they pull off what I thought was the impossible going into this, and it just, yeah, like Marco said, it brings you back down to earth that Fiorentina just doesn't have the depth, doesn't have the squad to just run through everybody despite going through uh, a, a nice run of form there. Um, you know, both these teams, man, they, they have they have decisive games next week. Fiorentina can play spoiler. And Cagliari can save their season against Atalanta and Milan, like we said in the previous uh, uh, section. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. Yep, mid-table race there uh, and the bottom-table race there. Cagliari getting those three points, getting out of the danger zone. Uh, just another fun part of the race, uh, even if the Scudetto is locked up. Our next game, guys, is Torino and Spall. This one finished 2-1. The Raging Bulls put Curve America's beloved Spall up against the ropes of the danger zone. Marco, you got this one. Yeah, Gracis put Spall ahead in the first half, and you're thinking, all right, Spall uh, going for salvation here. And then it's Il Gallo and Di Silvestre that sink the dagger halfway in. Uh, they're almost down, but hopefully not. Belotti with his 10th goal. Between injuries and high expectations, I think Belotti saves saves face at the end of the season. Um, Torino, you know, with the majority of play this game, uh, and Milan, I think, might be back on the market for Il Gallo. Um, and again, I know there's going to be a fire sale. I know players are going to be trading hands, and it might be a little too early to start talking about transfer window. But I do think that Belotti's price tag will have gone down and. You know, maybe uh, maybe things will get a little bit more realistic for Igallo, who's a great striker. I just was never comfortable with him having this hundred dollar, hundred million dollar price tag on him. He uh, he did a lot, like I said, like, like you said, to come back and have you know have a tenth goal, and you can look back in the season, point to people like, hey, look, uh, uh, I had a lot of adversity this season. I still managed managed to score ten, and I think it's the type of season with the injuries and 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 not the you know, the 20-plus goals that Torino might be able to hold on to him for another season. Um, it's just one thing is Urbino Cairo. Uh, yeah, it, it, if somebody comes to the right dollars, I think he does. he's going to feel like he doesn't want to make the same mistake twice. Um, he wants to feel a little bit more like Floyd Mayweather hitting 100K at a Vegas casino and raking in the dough. Um, rather than uh, uh, feeling like uh, uh, you know he, he could have sold somebody for a lot. I mean, you think about 
with Sassuolo, which they would have done with Berardi, you know, two years ago, settling him for fifty million or something like that. So it's the type of season I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed uh, in Torino. But if somebody comes with the right dollars, or being, I know this is the hottest of all hot takes, but I don't think he's as protected in Cairo's mind. It's always too early to talk transfer market, Marco. Uh, you should know that by now. Oh, ahead, that's tell, right. Tell us about uh, Spall. Spall, man, don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. This has been a team that's just just played good football all season and quite frankly does not deserve to go down, guys. I, I think we all agree here. I think everyone agrees. I mean, from the – was it Spal that they had the guy hanging out the hospital? Was that Crotone? That's Crotone. Crotone. Ah. Okay, well, Spal, I think, is on Crotone's level in terms of where they stand in our hearts. Um but, you know, they, they still control their own destiny unless Crotone decides to score four goals against Napoli. Um, they're not in pole position, obviously. Uh, but, look, if they drop, this is a team that could very well be picked apart like vultures on squirrel carcasses on the side of the road because they do have a, a list of good players. And, you know, I'm just a, off the top of my head. You know, Antinucci had a great season. Kurtic uh, came from Atalanta at the beginning of the season. Good, good player, and he's young. Vicardi had a good season, Shonek. So again, a bunch of good players on this team, and they I just love the way they played. I love the heart. I like the small stadium in the Serie A kind of uh, beast, beast fans. Um, So hoping that they're able to pull this one out at the end. I mean, I just would really like one of these provincial teams that rarely ever, if ever, makes it to Serie A to stay up. Um, You know, you talk about overall uh, uh, good for... Uh, you know, Italian football. Um, I think I think just one of these more pedigreed teams that have kind of uh, uh, not played to win throughout the entire season the way that Spall has. Um, to have them go down and eat a little humble, the little humble pasta uh, before uh, before they you know can come back up and just reassess and get some new objectives. I think Spall with a full season of Serie A TV money, I'd like to see what they can do with it and if they can make some noise next season. So I'm with you, Marco. Don't do it, Spall. Well, I still got Crotone to to live and die with. All right, we'll see if Spall can stay up. Um, A big uh, race there at the end of the table there. Um, Let's keep going, guys, to a team that is unfortunately already already relegated but near and dear to my heart. Benevento taking on Genoa, 1-0. The witches never quit. You got that right, Tad. Go ahead. And again, just playing off what I said before, Genoa, they have nothing to play for so they don't show up. And Benevento, who has absolutely nothing to play for, I, you know, I mean, I guess they they got nothing to lose. You know, they they, they come out and they and they wax a team with with pedigree. I mean, you know, got- even Ballardini coming out this week and saying that you know Genoa, there's only a a, a couple teams, um, maybe four or five teams um, in the Serie A that are bigger than them. Well, you know what, Benevento is going down, waxed you out. So i you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be. Um, the the in the the quartet that's going down with the Titanic on this one for Benevento applauding um, a, a, a great performance throughout the season all the way to the end. Well, you know, as you say that Giuseppe Rossi this week also came out saying, you know, um, Genoa is a team that could be, you know, challenging for a Europa League next season. So uh, I do think they they think of themselves very highly uh, and being. Having gone visited Genoa, I can see why. You know, big city, beautiful city, port city. 
these people think they uh, they deserve a, a, a big squad and they have a very nice rivalry too. So um, who knows? You never know what happens in Serie A. They could be the next Cinderella story. If they're going to be Europa contender, Giuseppe Rossi is going to be the one to get him there. All right. Our ninth game of the week, we've got Bologna and Chievo. This one finished 2-1. The Donkeys fly out of the danger zone with their second win in a row under new coach Lorenzo Diana. Chievo pulls off the victory in the mix for relegation here, but they get a big result. Giacarini with a wonderful goal. Bobby English, Roberto Inglese also gets one. They're both. Bobby English is a great, great rapper name too, by the way. So his album be pretty sweet too. Absolutely, collaborating with uh, with uh, Kevin Lasagna. Um, both of their goals happen in the second half, and uh, it overcomes a, an early lead with Bologna, so they get the result. Coach Diana afterwards giving the rah-rah speech, saying they can't give up an inch. They're not going to be able to uh, get relegated this year. Uh, but given the season that Kievo has showed, I don't know, guys. For me, it's a three-game turnaround. That's not enough for me to get excited about. I'm still kind of hoping that um, you know Crotone and Spall can stay up after Kievo and just unimpressive for uh you know 30 at least 35 weeks out of the year yeah i mean it seems like the donks decided that in the last couple weeks of season like whoa 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 whoa, we can't get relegated we're too good for that and uh you know because they they slept for like the last six weeks so i'm i'm sad to see them kind of put it together and stay up you know no offense to the kievo fans um but uh, I'm really pulling for this team to go down. I think if you look at their whole body of work throughout the season, they've just played uninspired, and I'd like to see them battle with the Serie B teams and, and earn their way back into Serie A. Well, not to mention, you know, you, you add some, uh, some interesting derby TV revenues down in Serie B, and that could be good for the, for the, for the lower leagues to have that going on. Uh, so, you know, Atlas definitely down there. We'll talk about that in a second. Throw Kievo down there and, and add a nice little derby for uh, for the Serie B fans. So, Donkeys, I'm rooting against you as hard as I possibly can in this last game of the season. We've got other darlings we care about. Yep. On the other side of the ball, Bologna, Marco's team. The players are backing Donadoni despite this result. They're furious. This was a home game for them. They're losing to Kievo. Donadoni saying after the game he understands the frustration, but let's be real, guys. Bologna is the first team that is safe from relegation in the table despite this result, so they don't have a lot to worry about for relegation anyway. Um, but Ilmister, Donadoni, he's been at the helm since 2015. This, he's got another year on his contract, and he's had mid-table finishes throughout his run. Never challenged for Europa, anything like that. The players have come out saying that they support him, guys like Palacio, Zemaili, Simone Verdi, all saying that they vouch for him. They want him to stay. What do you guys think? Meat sauce mediocrity on the menu for the foreseeable future? Nice. Nice, Chris. I like that. I think so. I think this team is is built um, to be uh, 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 mid-table at best. I think they're going to lose Simone Verdi in the offseason. And Palacio, is fi- you know, he's, he's, he's the only guy that uh, uh, was a freshman when Sorrentino was a senior in this game. And Smiley, you know, he's, at this point, he's kind of a, he's good, um, but, you know, goes to the MLS and comes back. I just don't see a squad, you know, strong enough um, uh, to, to have them go any higher. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Palacio 
Uh, he's going to need a nice rest after this season and, and featuring in all these new Star Wars movies. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think, uh, like you guys said, unfortunately, Team Meat Sauce just built for the middle of the table. Unless they get some big rich guy coming in and buying a bunch of players and keeping Simone Verdi, that's their only chance. We will see how Bologna fares in the transfer market this summer. Up next, our final game, guys. The 10th game, Hellas Verona versus Udinese. This one finished 0-1. Udinese squeaked by against a terrible Hellas side. Marco's got it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Barak gets his seventh of the season. Not bad for a 23-year-old. And the Czech may be having some suitors at the end of the season. But Udinese is still two points out of the relegation zone, uh, which may just be enough in the end. And, you know, Udinese is kind of a storied club in Serie A here. Uh, you know, of since the podcast has been born, we, we don't know Serie A without Udinese. Uh, a new coach, Igor, his first win, uh, he says that it's all to play for. It's like, okay, man, well, you know, it's a good thing you've won one game in 15 games. What a terrible record there. I mean, they even lost a friendly against NK Domzale, which uh, if anybody could tell me on the fly where that is, I will give them all the money in the world so that they can go bet it in, uh, on some sports in the, in the, with the new state laws here. Um, but really, uh, just absolutely terrible uh, run at the end of the season. And they are lucky. They are very lucky um, that it's so contested down there uh, that they could still be in a, a little bit of danger here. Kevin Lasagna, he's not going to let him go down. Even though he's, he's, he's been, he's been the, the bright spot on a black wall um, the, you know, the past 10 weeks. So Udinese, despite them playing like crap, uh, the past several weeks, I got a pull for Kevin Lasagna. I think uh, Elas Verona. I mean, we're just running out of things to uh, things to say for them, and they're running out of time of Serie A. And I think we're running out of time tonight on our podcast, Chris. So, uh, how's that for transition? Very nice. Well done. That does wrap up week thirty-seven. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, Marco, it takes a while to get back. Uh, you've been you haven't been on the pod for a couple weeks. Uh, you got to get your win back. You got to get your cadence back. So uh, um, we'll get there with one week to go. We will find our way. <laughs> so until then, we will come back after this. 2017-2018 season is wrapped up, complete with a bow. Until then, Ragazzi, we say... Arrivederci, rate and comment. Ciao. Ciao, Ragazzi. Ciao, ciao, ciao.